Welcome to the Endpoints Podcast, presented by the ALS Therapy Development Institute. I'm Jonathan Gang. Much of what causes the 90% of ALS cases that occur sporadically remains a mystery. However, one risk factor that is supported by a large body of evidence is service in the military. In recent decades, a number of studies have shown that veterans have a significantly higher chance of being diagnosed with ALS than the general population. Studies have found that one in six people living with ALS have served in the military in some capacity, and veterans have a roughly 50% higher risk of dying from ALS than the general population. Exploring this connection is an important part of our work at ALS TDI, and it has led to many important steps in both our own science and the wider ALS research community. To explain more about what we know about the connection between the military and ALS, as well as ALS TDI's history of working with veterans to advance the cause of ALS research, we're joined by ALS TDI's Senior Director of Development, Carol Hamilton. Back in the early 2000s, it was determined when uh, they were studying the Gulf War Syndrome, which of course no one knew exactly what that was, but it was used as an umbrella for a number of different diseases. Uh, for people who are coming home from the Gulf War quite ill. Uh, In there, they discovered that there was an elevated incidence of ALS, almost double the national um, numbers. So they then went back, the VA, uh, Harvard, and the Department of Defense, and looked all the way back eventually through to the Korean War and actually, sorry, John, They looked all the way back to World War I to determine if that elevated incidence rate was historical, and it was. That double incidence rate went all the way back. So we knew now uh, that there was something about military service and ALS. It was not just about exposures that could have happened in the Gulf War. In the meantime, however, between those two studies, the Department of Veterans Affairs allowed for full service-connected disability benefits for people who had served in Gulf War I and were diagnosed with ALS because that was a result of the first findings that were done in the initial study. Later, there were, of course, veterans from all of the wars and who had served not even necessarily in theater who were still coming down with ALS at younger ages even. So eventually we needed to make sure that those veterans received the same benefits as those that had served in Gulf War I. We also needed to determine why veterans are getting ALS at a higher rate than everybody else. Once the scientific community recognized the link between ALS and military service, it was important to make sure that the government recognized it as well, so that veterans could get proper care. When I first came to ALS TDI, the first study came out um, that showed the relevance of um, deployment in the U.S. military and ALS. It was because of that first study that we decided it was important to go to Congress and make sure that our Congress understood that veterans were getting diagnosed with ALS at a higher rate 
than the general population, and in many cases at a younger age. We also knew at the time that of all of the branches, Air Force pilots have the highest incidence of all of the branches. We do not know why. Uh, certainly one aspect is oxidative stress, right? When you're at elevation, you're at higher oxidative stress, but we do not know. Um, so Jamie Haywood, who was one of the founders of ALS TDI, and I worked on the Hill quite a bit, and we would go from office to office to make sure they understood that veterans were coming home to a uniformly fatal killer. Here was the Department of Defense working to protect people while they were overseas or on active duty by spending, of course, you know, appropriately billions and trillions of dollars. But when our service members came home, they were facing ALS, which was going to take their lives. And we needed the help of the Department of Defense to build that armor, help us build that armor to defend these people from ALS. So we worked with um, a program called Congressionally Directed Medical Research Programs through the Department of Defense. And we asked for money. We asked for money to help develop treatments for ALS at ALS TDI. And we were successful, which we remain very proud of because as you can imagine, um, you jump through a lot of hoops when you're working with the Department of Defense and they look very closely at what you do. And so we were fully vetted by DOD. We came out successful um, and we even worked with them after our first round of funding to develop a $100 million scientific plan that we had to get approved by everyone at Fort Detrick in Maryland at CDMRP and DOD. Sorry for all the letters. Um, and that plan was approved, which allowed for our next round of funding, which in total was about $6 million from DOD to ALS-TDI, uh, to flow immediately rather than go through the whole application process again. In the midst of that, um, we were working with a great guy that was introduced by an old colleague of mine, Lou Cobbs. And the gentleman was from Charleston, South Carolina, and his name was Tom Mikulajic. Tom was a four-star brigadier general in the Air Force, retired, um, and he had had quite an illustrious career. Tom found it ridiculous that ALS, which had a connection to serving in the military, he found it ridiculous that it was so low on the funding totem pole at the Department of Defense when there were other diseases like um, breast cancer and some pediatric illnesses that had no proven correlation, no studied correlation to military service. He wanted ALS to get bumped up higher on that funding totem pole. So he worked with us and came from office to office. Um, and his famous line was to every congressperson, I've seen BS throughout my life in the military. And I will tell you, this program at ALS TDI is no BS. And it worked. And you got everybody's attention. Um, in the interim, the second study that I referenced uh, came out showing that um, those that served in all wars face this elevated incidence risk of ALS. So simultaneously, as we walked the halls of Congress with General Mick, as he was known, um, we 
we wanted to make sure that it was fair to all those who served um, defending this country, who later came down with ALS, to get the same level of benefits uh, that those that had served in Gulf War I were getting. Tom was able to connect with some powerful people in Congress on both sides of the aisle to help move things forward. Tom worked with Senator Lindsey Graham and Congressman Henry Brown at the time to engage with the VA secretary, Secretary Peek, and make sure that he understood that his veterans were running this risk no matter where, which war they had served in. And with a little bit of work and a little bit of needling, and Tom would never take no for an answer, we got an extraordinary phone call one day uh, letting us know that Secretary Peek had heard us and that all veterans were now going to be eligible for full service connected disability once diagnosed with ALS. So this was life altering for thousands of people at that point. It meant that their homes could be remodeled. It meant that they could have ramps. It meant that they got the treatment that they needed. Um, It was quite amazing. In the meantime, we were introduced by General Mikulajic to a great friend of his who was the comptroller at DOD. And when you're looking for funding to fund a disease like ALS and you get introduced to the comptroller at DOD, you're really excited. So we went in, we went to the Pentagon, we met with the Undersecretary for Health Affairs at the Department of Defense, and we met with the then comptroller. And basically, uh, they said to us, we hear you and we want to help. They, the fiscal year was soon going to end for the Department of Defense. And there were going to be pennies on the dollar that were left in defense contracts across the board. So pennies on the dollar on that many expensive contracts can be aggregated into a pretty healthy sum of money, as you can imagine. So they said, how about We take some of those pennies on the dollar that are left in these accounts and we put them all together and we send them to ALS TDI to continue developing treatments for ALS. So we got all kinds of excited. We celebrated, we bought cheap champagne. We did the whole thing. And they took our wiring instructions and this was on a Thursday. So on Monday, we kind of kept hitting refresh on our bank account and nothing happened. Tuesday, we did the same thing. Wednesday, we called over to DOD and we're we don't have anything yet, but we get that you're the federal government, so we're not going to panic yet. We're going to keep celebrating. And about another week went by and still no funds arrived. They were aggregating $5 million, which was, you know, a huge sum of money in those days and still to be dedicated solely to LLS therapeutic development. Um, But what we learned was sometimes, you know, people whose purview it is to run programs at the the medical research programs for Congress were run through this particular Fort Detrick in Maryland. Um, And those guys on the ground kind of said, hey, wait a second, this is our job. It's our job to determine where this money that goes into this pot, how it's dispersed. And five million dollars kind of set alarm bells off for them because it was a tidy sum and they said no 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 no. we're not going to do it this way 
instead of giving it all to ALS TDI, who we know has a great scientific program, we've seen it, all of that, we think it would be more fair to set it up as a competitive funding opportunity, much like is done at NIH. And that was how we accidentally began the ALS research program at DOD, uh, which has now uh, spent over $100 million since 2007 on ALS research. Throughout the years, ALS TDI has stayed involved in the ALSRP program, both as a recipient of research grants and in helping to evaluate other potential research for the program. We've remained engaged with the ALSRP program um, a number of ways. Fernando Vieira works very closely with Lyle Ostroff at the program, and he runs some of the uh, review panels. In the years that we do not have a grant in front of them, Fernando is one of the people that helps to review the applications. We also have worked hard to help the Department of Defense um, find appropriate what they call consumer reviewers. They really like to have end users, meaning in this case, people with ALS, um, on their panels to review the programs at well, which as well, which is how I've met a lot of incredible veterans with ALS as I've kind of put out that call. Matt Bellina was one um, who served and um, a number have. So I really applaud the DOD for making sure that the patient voice is involved all the way through. Moving forward, as we continue to work to discover effective treatments for ALS, helping veterans dealing with this disease remains an essential part of our mission. It's something that's become deeply personal for many at ALS TDI, particularly Carol. It's really important to me that we honor the people who have served us by fighting every single solitary day here safely to find therapies that can help them and everybody else. The great thing here is there's nothing different in their genetic code. There's nothing different in their DNA. So as ALS TDI works to develop treatments for ALS, they're going to help veterans. ALS is not a subtype of disease. It doesn't have a different phenotype. So as we develop treatments for everybody, those are going to work for veterans as well. So we specifically honor the veterans whose elevated incidence rate has helped to fund this drug discovery engine, but we do it for them and for everybody with ALS. To that end, it's very important for us to make sure that we are learning as much as we can about veterans who are living with ALS, something we aim to accomplish by encouraging those who have served to participate in our precision medicine program. You know, it would be really, really helpful to us and to ALS research in general if everyone who listens to this who may have ALS um, with a history of military service or if you are related to or a caregiver of someone with a history of military service who is now living with ALS. Please, I implore you, join the ALS Precision Medicine Program. There will be questions in there about your exposure history, your medical history, your occupational history that will help us to look at your data alongside other veterans and 
in you know contrast to the rest of the ALS population. Help us find what may have caused your onset of ALS and help us at the same time use all of the data to develop treatments for you and everyone else with the disease. To learn more about ALS TDI's research to find treatments for everyone living with ALS, including those who have served in the military, visit als.net slash research. To sign up for the Precision Medicine Program, you can head to als.net slash precision medicine. Thanks for listening.